Some startups create communities in a natural way. In the early days, they have a very appealing product to businesses or consumers. One of the great fundraising strategies is leveraging such communities and turning your fans into your investors. In this episode, our guest, Esbjorn Holmlund from WeFounder, explains how to do it. WeFounders makes it easy for you to simultaneously raise money from many professional and retail investors. Check out this episode to learn more. Hello, guys. Welcome back to Ragnarsson Invest Podcast. Uh, our today's guest is Asbjorn Holmlund from WeFounder. And we're going to talk about uh, community rounds versus uh, the actual uh, fundraising options that the founder has. Um, Asbjorn, welcome. Uh, great to have you here. Thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. We're excited about this. Yeah, likewise. Like it, the topic that we're going to talk today is not very popular, not very common uh, nowadays. And we found there is a new player in town in Europe, uh, to be precise, is bringing a lot of expertise in this space. So I'm really interested uh, what's going to come up uh, in our conversation. I think it would be a good uh, good point to start actually on understanding what we founder or community um, platforms actually are because the the typical way of thinking of founder when he thinks uh, um, crowdfunding is kickstarted on one side of a spectrum angel list on the other side so where are you actually on which uh, which uh, side do you lean yeah so that's a great question. Um, I think it's important to sort of distinguish between those two just firstly, and then we can dive into what, what we do here at WeFunders. So Kickstarter on the one hand, right? That's a way for uh, founders to uh, that are doing something pre-product, building a hardware company, that it's a way for them to finance essentially their product development by selling pre-orders to potential customers. And then on the other end of the spectrum, as you mentioned, you have AngelList, which essentially are... Uh, centered around um, facilitating uh, investments into private companies on behalf of business angels. So really putting together those those syndicates from from very much a legal perspective and helping structure that. Um, now with WeFunder, you're really getting uh, like the best of both worlds um, because on the one hand, we both help companies raise money from retail investors and business angels uh, through our platform. And instead of selling a product, what you're really selling is a, is a co-ownership in your business. So it's a great way to take your existing customers and make them even bigger evangelists for what you do. And then on the other hand, you know, getting some new investors in the door, which you can, uh, which you can hopefully flip to become customers in your business as well. And, and through that really get, you know, additional commercial tractions for, for what you're building. Okay, so how does it work actually in practice? I am a founder, I have a company, I have some traction, some product, doesn't matter which one. I'm coming across WeFounder and say, I want to raise around with you. What would be the next steps? How does it work in, in practice? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so great question. I mean, what, what we usually do is then we partner up with you as a, as a startup um, and then we productized all of this, right? So we have a, a platform which is very easy for founders to work with. So it's all no code. Um, you can go in, set up a campaign site, uh, take the material you have, and generally a campaign site would consist of three things. So you'd have, you know, a pitch deck, which would usually be the one that you go out when you're presenting a company and talking from. So you'd be uploading that. Um, then in between, you will be writing maybe a little bit more in-depth, you know, text about your go-to-market, who are your customers, uh, what is your product, what is the vision of the company that you're building. Um, and this would generally be, you know, how you would 
how you would be phrasing yourself when you're pitching your company. So that would be sort of the voice overlay to that pitch deck. And then the thing that I think most people are familiar with and that is famous for, for most crowdfunding uh, sites is the, uh, is the uh, campaign video, right? Um, this would be two to three minutes is generally what we see work very well with the founder sitting in a, in a, in a nice setting, sort of like, like this. A uh, good microphone, a uh, nice background such as yourself, Kasia. And then, uh, then they'd be talking about three things in general, right? So what has been the story up until now? What is the vision of the company that they are building? Um, what are they raising the money for? And then lastly, why are they doing it for a community round? Why are they going out and, and wanting to offer this opportunity also to, to, to the average uh, retail investors to be part of that journey? Mm -hmm. That sounds uh, pretty simple. Probably it's not, <laughs> but uh, from the wording, yes. It is. Uh, what could <laughs> be interested is that you've mentioned yourself, but also I at the beginning, I think most of the people are not familiar with the term community round. What's different with equity crowdfunding platform, with crowdfunding platform? What's the difference? Yeah, uh, good question. So we found that equity crowdfunding generally, when you mention that it's, it's like a historical label in the industry, right? And when you say this, then very often people think of the um, poor regulatory structures that used to be associated with this area. So in essence, you know, you couldn't raise very big amounts, like very often you couldn't raise uh, for equity, it would end up being some sort of debt instrument. Um, and, and you also used to not be able to put every all investors into one legal structure. So you would keep like the simplicity on your cap table, right? So if you had 500 investors coming in, you would have a, a, a very long cap table, right? Um, so what we found instead is that, you know, it's a totally different regulatory regime today. Um, so we think uh, on the one hand, you know, uh, a new name, a new brand for, for this is warranted. Um, so therefore community rounds. And on top of that, we also feel it signals much better the value that you gain from this type of, um, of fundraise. Uh, because as I mentioned, it's really about, you know, activating your existing community and building on that community as well. I would like to a, a bit better understand also the perspective of investors um, and the value that you, that you bring to the table for them. So um, I know that legal things are not the most exciting things, but I, but still it's, it's, it's for me, it would be interesting to know how do you organize all of that? As a founder, I'm, I might be afraid of having too many investors on my cap table. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you have a solution for that. Uh, and also it would be great how to, how does it work from the investor perspective? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So naturally, I mean, founders that we, that we speak with and, and when they initially hear about this, they might be thinking, you know, dear God, if I have 500 investors coming in, how is that <laughs> going to make me look in terms of other, you know, institutional players or, or people in this industry. But, but as you mentioned, uh, I mean, it's the bread and butter also of what we do, right? So. Once a campaign closes, we uh, wrap all investors up into one legal entity, and then that legal entity is, is what becomes co-owner uh, in your business. So you're only going to have that uh, one line um, on your cap table as a founder. Um, and then, then you asked, how does it work from an investor, investor perspective? So a, a, a big part of what we offer to investors is, you know, of course, discoverability of different um, different investment opportunities and the simplicity of the of the platform of being able to go in and make a commitment towards a campaign um, and also uh, you know post registration of the ownership and these type of things um, 
so so that's really at the core of of, uh, of what we do and you also mentioned that it's it's possible for retail investors to to join um do you have any any kind of requirements for them or is it really like anyone including my mom could could join right away as an investor yeah it's yeah, it's really for everyone. I mean, so you can invest for as low as uh, as a hundred euros uh, towards a campaign. So, so, so if your mom has that to her bankroll, she can definitely be an investor with our platform. Um, and of course, what what we do on our end then is to is to um, is to collect you know relevant information on you um, when you go through this this process. But there's no requirements in terms of saying you need to have this minimum level of wealth or you need to have that to be earning this much money right um and that's also a big part of the the mission and what we do is really you know democratizing access to this uh, asset class you can say that that historically has been um yeah very dominated by wealthy individuals and 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 also in a sense you know have have a sort of um propelled some of the i would say downsides of capitalism right with this cycle of the rich getting richer and 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 the smaller guys getting left out so the this democratization uh, of of investing we're gonna get back to that in a second but uh, let's stay for a while with the founders yeah uh, it's pretty clear how the process looks like what what's the outcome you got some uh, money on board you have one uh, line in your cap table but I can imagine there are some challenges that you, you need to consider as a founder. It's not like just golden and uh, happy, happy married, but probably there are some things that you need to be aware of before you jump on board um, such a campaign. Yeah, uh, there definitely are. I mean, as with anything, there's, there's, there's usually a flip side, right? So that you also have to consider. Um, I think for you know, raising a community around the primary thing as a founder you have to consider is whether your startup, um, you know, is a good fit to a community around because there are certain types of startups that tend to perform um, better than others. And, you know, we are also happy with you as a founder to to have that dialogue and figure out together whether we think, you know, both ways there's a, there is a good fit. Um, so I mentioned, you know, uh, and it's also at the heart of the name community rounds that Essentially, uh, the common denominator for many of the companies that do raise with us is they either have a strong community of customers or fans or, you know, contributors to the projects uh, who they can activate, uh, of course, together with us. Um, and then we can open up to the uh, all of the investors we have on the platform to also then pour in and, and help fill up the round. Right. Um, but if you're building something, you know, super deep tech, your very early states, it's it's very niche, like you need to have a PhD in, in X to understand what is going on, then maybe it's not the ideal fit. But um, but definitely the, the breadth of the type of companies that can race with us is, is usually a, a, it's a, it's usually a lot broader than what many people have in mind when they initially hear about this, right? Many think right off the bat like, oh, but I'm not doing a consumer product, so then I cannot race with you. Um, but that's that's simply not true, right? I mean, we've had many B2B companies who are often then selling, you know, to SMEs, um, such as Mercury that we helped raise uh, earlier this year. Um, they, they are exclusively B2B uh, and they did a, yeah, a very successful race uh, with, that, with that campaign. But the, the way I understand uh, who is a good fit is, is are startups that have some sort of community, some sort of ecosystem around them that would like to support their initiative because it might be complementary to what they do or 
if it's more of a product for consumers, it simply might be, um, they might be those early adopters that would be using the, the product at the very beginning. So if, if there, there is some sort of ecosystem or a community around the idea that, that a startup is trying to execute on, then it's the best fit for, uh, for using a solution like yours. Yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, that's the natural fit and the one that people often uh, think about. Um, as now, I mean, I mentioned, mentioned Mercury, which are exclusively, um, which are exclusively B2B. We've, we've also had others like, like add some limbs race with us yes, yeah, the, which essentially does like a, an advanced prosthetics. So something that is, you know, they're still in R&D phase with what they do. But then in that case, you know, it's people who either um, might suffer from a handicap themselves or have someone in their, in their immediate, um, you know, social circles where they can see, okay, a real need for this solution being brought to market and then want to be supporting them on that journey. Um, and that in that case, it's not necessarily because they are, you know, an ideal user of the product themselves, but they really believe in the mission that the founders are on and the necessity of, um, of, of this being brought to market. So it, it's, it's, it comes in different shapes and sizes, I would say. So rather if you are, you know, on the fence and, and, and wondering if, if it's a good fit, then, uh, then reach out. But in the essence, it helps to be a good storyteller to sell your product to the wide market. I would say that generally helps no matter if you're talking to retail investors or you're talking to VCs or you're talking to, uh, you know, potential customers. I mean, uh, yeah, being a bit of a storyteller and being able to to really highlight the, um, yeah, the things in your case that, that, you know, people are supposed to get excited about. I mean, what, the mission you're on, what, what is, you know, the vision that, that, that you see for the world with what you're building? That's always great to uh, to be able to 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 get that into the, the limelight, right? I think what's, what's also interesting in your case is that you have a lot of experience being on the, uh, in the US uh, for the last few years, and right now you're entering the European uh, market. Um, apart from the value of the platform itself, so the idea of um, connecting investors with, with founders, what kind of... Um, strengths do you have or benefits to offer uh, to European um, founders um, having your, your experiences in the US in, in mind? Is there anything that in, American investors could be, bring to the table that it's missing a bit in Europe or, um, yeah, I'm just interested in to, to explore a bit this perspective? Yeah, of course. I mean, maybe we can talk a bit about some general differences and especially something I've been noting, you know, from the last, I mean, I'm from Europe myself, right? A small country of Denmark in the cold north, cold, cold north of Europe. Uh, so, uh, and I've, um, and I've gotten to, to travel quite a bit, uh, which is a great privilege around Europe these last couple of months, right? So I get to see the differences. And then of course, with my, not only my American colleagues, but also the setup we got running over there. Um, and it's 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 pretty striking to see to be honest like the the differences there and that's also why i believe and we believe very strongly in this sort of cross uh, uh cross uh, pollination across the atlantic uh, right um so one thing i've noticed is that definitely when it comes to like you know climate and the sustainability agenda uh europe is very much ahead of the curve in general uh, compared to the states i mean um, of course, you find pockets in the states, like like in SF, where we have our our headquarters there, and 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 in New York, and some of these 
metropolitan cities, there's there's definitely you know a, a concern about the state that our climate is in, and pretty much also uh, you know recognizing the necessity that radical solutions need to be brought to market. But 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 this is not the case in general across the state. So here, Europe is is really at the forefront, and you also have a lot more like dedicated funds focusing specifically on this. It's starting to become you know not just a uh, I would say it's starting to become more of a, a sanitary requirement also for for many funds when they invest into a company. You know you have some basic things uh, in place, and what you're doing is not uh, creating a, a, a worse tomorrow, right? Um, then on the other hand, if we go to the States, I mean, what I see there is a very big focus on, on diversity and inclusion, which which I only see we're really starting to have those conversations in a lot of uh, European countries. And and I think this makes sense, right? I mean, given the, the history and the very di- diverse population you have over there. Um, but but this is true, you know, even for early stage startups, you will very often have a lot more support networks going on. So you will have things like female mentorship programs, you know, KPIs that help promote a more, promote a more diverse workplace. And then uh, capital, uh, quite a lot of funds, they are focusing specifically on underrepresented founders, whether that's, you know, of color or, or sex or, 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 or one of these things, right? Um, so I really think both ways, there's a lot to, to be learned um, and, and, and to be gained also from, from exactly having this exchange of knowledge, right? Um, and it might not immediately off the bat be that, you know, you have um, American investors in this case coming in to European companies and also taking a very active role. I mean, if they're putting in sm- a few small uh, smaller tickets, then that might not be the, the immediate effect of that. But definitely you're going to have much more, you know, a, a growing knowledge of what is going on in Europe amongst um, American investors, having a finger on the pulse. And you're definitely also going to be seeing, I'm sure, you know, investors who are going to be putting in bigger tickets and then also leaning in and wanting to take a more active role. Um, and, and that's where I see a really good, um, yeah, a great opportunity for many of the startups. And, 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 and likewise, I also think it's a great opportunity to, for many people in the States, not only from an investment perspective, but also from a learning perspective. So I think, uh, I think it's a classical uh, win, win-win setup we got going on here. Take, uh, change takes time, uh, as uh, as everyone knows, but it's a type of uh, impact that it's a little bit unwritten in your thesis, in your platform thesis, but it's really cool that this cross-pollination, as you said yourself, of good positive ideas, um, climate or an environmental focus versus the diversity uh, coming from US, that's really an exchange that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, likewise, and, and, and definitely also um, I have great expectations now, as you as you described, with our upcoming launch in in Europe, which we're targeting for for October. I um, I, I both see in our in our in our immediate lineup for that, but also um, going forward that there's going to be, I mean, Euro- Europe is at the forefront of this, just as I mentioned, right? So we're going to have a lot of food tech, we're going to have a lot of impact, we're going to see a lot of sustainability in general, and hopefully, uh, you know. Uh, I can help convince some of the founders to see uh, the value there uh, that this type of uh, financing can can bring. Um, and with that point, I'd also like to say, like, I see this as much more complementary capital to, you know, what people are also familiar with, like business angels and VCs. Um, yeah, if, if you look at many of our prior financing, I mean, there's 
very often uh, big institutionals or, or or large business angels backing those also and uh, and and helping sort of of uh, not only blue stamp you can say sort of the deals but also take an active role subsequently because it's very very different as we have talked about here that the type of uh, financing these uh, these different categories sort of provide right we we mentioned a bit uh, diversity and and sustainability and how um, both regions could learn from each other uh, by uh, connecting them. Um, what I would like to get back just a bit uh, is to to the concept of democratization of investment um, possibilities for uh, either for retail investors or just smaller investors that wouldn't have this uh, occasion, um, wouldn't have a chance to invest in, in any other way. Uh, would you be able to give us some sort of indication like how how what per percentage of, of of different rounds is usually being covered by professional investors and uh, to what extent the the participants are are retail investors? Yeah, yeah. So actually, what we see in our numbers, it's about a it's about a fifty fifty. So one so fifty percent is usually consisting of you know VCs and then business angel or sophisticated investors as the, as they are described here in Europe. Um, and then retail investors uh, constitute the uh, the remaining part of the round. Asbjorn, we talked uh, a lot about uh, community rounds in this episode, how it works, how, why it matters from the founder perspective, for the investor perspective. There is benefits to all to all stakeholders that you connect. And on top of it, you also connect um, European ecosystem with the American one. Uh, which, as we mentioned, might ben benefit from each other through the topics of diversity and sustainability. Many thanks for sharing your um, perspective on this and uh, and learnings. And thank you so much for, for being with us today in the episode. Thank you, guys. Thanks a bunch for having me on. It was a lot of fun. And I look forward to catching you out there in the startup wild. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you and good luck with the relaunching the platform. Thank you.